Welcome back to Rotten Rewind. We're a podcast that only looks at films that are floating under the 60% threshold on the beloved website, RottenTomatoes.com. I'm Max Rue. I'm Courtney Pronto. I don't think Rotten Tomatoes has an app either, which seems like a missed opportunity. Did they not? No, because I think I tried to download it so I would just always have it when we were texting back and forth, like what what's, what's yeah, the yeah, on yeah, that? Yeah. I don't think they have one either that or... I think they... What? Okay. Well, Maybe I was unable to find it. If so, but you know what anyways. it is? They've, they, it's it's Flickster. Rotten Tomatoes has teamed up with Flickster. That's stupid. But I will yeah. download it. No, I agree. They should just have their own because I mean, Fandango I, has one. Well, that makes sense. You got to buy tickets. But I just want to know what rating something has and what caffeinated Clint has to say about it. <laughs> just well, they should streamline it so that you can like search. I feel like you should be able to look at a critic's profile and look for a particular movie. Yeah, they we should. should work for Rotten Tomatoes. No, I think so too. There's like a bunch, like now that we're, like now that I have to go to RottenTomatoes.com so often, I have like thought of, yeah, Yeah. thought of several improvements and that is definitely one of them. Is this the third or fourth week? My brain is already just, it's the third week of our This is the third week of, yeah, fucking. (sighs) So much fucking. I know. So it's our erotic thriller summer series. Today, both of the movies are by Adrian Lin. It's Lin, not Lin. It's Lin. I think it's Adrian Lin. Okay, me too. I've always said Lin. He's English, so it's probably so who knows. Yeah. Also, if you're British, I don't think that you should can be offended by like mispronunciations. Like you can't. I have a European last name, and right. I let people mangle it. And then I, yeah, I feel like white people should learn how to pronounce like Asian name, like harder names. And then sure. if your name gets mangled when you're white, you should just like let it slide. I mean, I don't. Yeah, my last name looks pretty, but it's not Korean, so I don't fucking care. I don't think I ever struggled to pronounce your name. A lot of people give up when they see that a name has more than maybe five letters. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of vowels. It ends with Yeah, three so I think they're just so like, they're, fuck that. Yeah. Um, so we're doing Indecent Proposal from 1993 and Unfaithful from 2002. That's right. Adrian Lin is kind of the, I guess he's kind of up there with, with Michael Douglas as far as being just one of the, the pioneers of erotic thrillers. Yeah, truly, <laughs> truly, truly, truly. Yeah. I mean, he, he helped kind of start the, or kickstart, I think the popularity of the genre with Fatal Attraction. He was nominated for an Oscar for it for best director. I haven't seen Flashdance. I haven't seen it in a very long time, but yeah, I no matter what, it. the motherfucker has made a lot of movies that have like made an indent in culture, like JLo, sure. like People will always reference the flash dance video or dance scene. So good for fucking him. You know what? It, it won an Oscar. Ha ha. <laughs> it did. Flash dance won an Oscar for best original song. Oh, I mean, well, like deserves, deserves. And it was nominated for best cinematography and best film editing. Oh, cool. So he made, yeah, flash dance, fatal attraction. I've never seen nine and a half weeks with Mickey Rourke. Oh, yeah. I've never seen Jacob's Ladder. I've never seen Jacob's Ladder. That's fresh, so it's so fuck to it. watch yeah. it. <laughs> Dead to us. <laughs> I know it's like it has kind of a cult following. I um, know what happens at the end because I had an ex boyfriend just tell me. I think I've seen. That's why I broke up with him. Just kidding. You ruined Jacob's ladder. <laughs> We're done. But then he did. Yeah, he did indecent proposal after Jacob's ladder. That was kind of his follow, his erotic follow up to fail attraction. Indecent proposal is not really a thriller. No. But I think that the (laughs) title and like marketing and poster around it would suggest it was in line with like a fatal attraction kind of movie. It's very much in that 
canon. You can't think about these movies without thinking of Indecent Proposal. It has maybe one of the best names. The name tells Fatal you Fatal Attraction, lot. Basic Instinct, and Indecent right. Proposal are all great movie titles. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously Unfaithful pretty much tells you what it's Yeah, that's be. like pretty obvious. Pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> Indecent Proposal, I feel like, is also just like one of like, I mean, that's just like the definition of a 90s movie that was like an elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Even though I had no idea until researching the movie that it was based on a novel, but we'll get into that because the novel really is very different from what the movie Oh, shit. Okay. I haven't looked that up. It's pretty different, but yeah, it's based on a novel, but you would never know that because when I think of Indecent Proposal, I do think of just like the classic. It's almost like the diehard of like erotic movies where it's just like... Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's such a classic pitch. You get it in a sentence. It's like, what would you do? You know, it's a conversation starter. It's kind of like gone. You and I would easily do the same thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, look. (laughs) We're (laughs) poor. These are both pretty big movies in their own way. Indecent Proposal was huge. Unfaithful, I think, was just kind of like a part of like a dying breed. It was just like an adult themed sex drama. Yeah. Released in the early 2000s. That I have a big memory of it because I was a senior in high school at the time. So I think it was like. I was a freshman. I remember renting it. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I definitely, I rented Unfaithful, I remember, because I knew there was fucking in it. So that was like (laughs) back in the day of just knowing like, well, there's going to be titties in this movie. Yeah. I'm going to have to rent it. I mean, I, I watched a lot lot of bad movies knowing that there was going to be sex Titties. in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, watching it now, all these years later, I mean, oh, yeah. like 18 years later, not that much sex in this movie. Right. Should we start with Indecent? Indecent? I got money. I got security. I have businesses. But you have something that I just don't have. Well, I guess there's limits to what money can buy. Not many. Some things aren't for sale. Such as? But you can't buy people. So what are you saying? You can't buy love? That's a bit of a cliche, don't you think? It's absolutely true. Well, let's test the cliche. Suppose I were to offer you $1 million for one night with your wife. Now, the evening would come and go, but the money could last a lifetime. Think of it. A million dollars for one night. Indecent proposal for those of you who don't know about this movie or haven't seen it. Like we said, kind of the epitome of the 90s elevator pitch, maybe the most widely known of any erotic thriller outside of Basic Instinct, Fatal Attraction. It is about a couple, happily, very, very happily married couple, David and Diana, played by Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore. They couldn't be happier. They are textbook definition of a movie happy couple. They're financially strapped. They lose a lot of their money in the early 90s during the recession, which I had to Google. I didn't know there was a recession in the early 90s. Me either. Yeah, I had no Thanks idea. mom and dad for shielding mm-hmm. me from that. <laughs> yeah, I guess there was no reason for me to know. Obviously, it wasn't on the level of like 2008 or the Great Depression, right. but there was a recession. Or right now. Yes, or right now. <laughs> they basically lose a lot of their money. They're in the middle of, of building a house because David is a genius architect. Sure. Uh, we are continuously reminded of what a genius he is. It seems like their date <laughs> nights or him mansplaining buildings to her. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. what it seems like. There's a lot of voiceover with Demi Moore where she's just like, God, uh, his brain, the way it works yeah. is so wonderful. Um, <laughs> basically, they're super broke and then one night they sporadically are like, let's go to Vegas and bet some money. They end up winning but then they get too cocky. They lose all their mm-hmm. savings. At the same time, Diana catches the eye of John Gage, billionaire <laughs> played by Robert Redford. Demi Moore, obviously we know is incredibly beautiful. She looks so beautiful. Great in this. He kind of spots her trying to what? Try on this really beautiful dress that I guess became pretty dress. iconic. Yeah. An and expensive steal dress. some chocolates. Well, not steal chocolates, but take more than her fair share of free chocolates. Right. And he finds her charming because she's poor. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wow, this wow. poor woman can't even afford these chocolates. I'm going to have to 
we can really leverage this. Yeah. 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 This is going to be easy. Um, <laughs> so he basically wants to be romantically involved with Diana, but he discovers that she's married to David. He also discovers their horrible financial situation and exploits it by yeah. the classic situation of offering this poor couple a million dollars if he can fuck the wife for one night. Yeah. After rebuffing the offer, Dave and Diana finally agree. Not finally. It's pretty quick. Well, they say no pretty strongly to his face. And yeah. Then- well, that and that's one of the when they go to Betty Buy, they're like, well, actually, we're pretty poor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's also the rare billionaire that is handsome. Billionaires right. are pretty ugly, pretty weird ugly. people. Yeah, so they accept the offer, and their marriage quickly spirals into dysfunction and eventual separation. Because what did they think was going to happen when they let <laughs> a billionaire uh, come between them and have sex with the wife for one night? There's also a lot of specifics about the deal that I'm very curious about. Like, I really oh, yeah. would love to know what to that contract looked like. Contract. Again, this is another week where, fuck, I guess we're going to have to do it someday. There's a contract scene in Fifty Shades of Grey, too, that I actually think is even better than this contract. Like, the contract scene in Fifty Shades of Grey is pretty great, but it's the same thing. It's like a sexual contract. Tight. I make everybody I have sex with sign (laughs) some sort of an NDA disclosure. They say, wait, why? Who are you? And I say, I work at Kismet. (laughs) I don't want this getting around. People know me in this town. (laughs) I make people sign a contract that says that they'll tell people I was a size zero <laughs> if they ever, if it ever comes up. Yeah, I, I was very confused by the contract because I'm like, well, you know, is it like they just have sex once? And I know they do mention because their lawyer played by Oliver Platt, guy who was just <laughs> crushing it in the 90s. Oliver Platt is their attorney. He basically, the, the only thing that's really explicitly talked about when they're signing the contract is they're like, well, if you don't come or if you don't get it up. If he doesn't give it, get it up, they still get the money. And if he dies during intercourse, they still get the money. Right. That could have been a better movie, I think, if Dies during intercourse? if he died during intercourse. Oh, wait, what's the score on this baby? It's 35%. So it's pretty rotten. It's pretty rotten. Yeah. I'm honestly... I'm pretty surprised at how rotten it is, considering Disclosure was almost not rotten. Yes. Because this movie's uh, more coherent than Disclosure. This movie's much better than Disclosure. It also is kind of dealing with a very, I guess it's a kind of like a moralistic conversation starter. After it's over, you're going to have couples like discussing in the lobby along with i think that like the gone girl thing's right but also it's a little more sappy it's, it's, it's stupid it's pretty yeah, like it's, melodramatic gone girl actually leads to a pretty complicated conversation whereas yes. this is just basically of like what would you do what would you do yeah yeah, yeah, would yeah. you take the money and i think most people yeah would take the fucking money of i absolutely would take a million dollars i've had sex with so many people that didn't look like robert rudford <laughs> that i didn't even get paid anything for yeah, so why not just like pretend that it happened deeper in your pass and move on. When did you first see this movie? I first saw this movie, I think when I was in grad school. So like six, six years ago-ish because I kind of started getting interested in erotic thrillers then and just gotcha. the way that the noir seems to move from a female villain to that I don't, that's like almost a heroine. Like I think a femme fatale you kind of still root for to someone just more mean, like malignant, like the sure. villain in uh, Indecent, or not Indecent, sorry, Fatal Attraction, right. which is like, I don't even understand why what mo- what motivates her. So I watched sure. this one to kind of complete my set. <laughs> yeah. But I found it pretty boring at the time. 
I liked it more this time because I wasn't watching it for like, ooh, flash, flashy murder because there's a body count of zero on this. Spoiler alert, John Gates doesn't die during sex. He does not die during sex. Yeah, it's not a thriller at all. It's an erotic melodrama. And even Unfaithful, which we'll talk about, doesn't become an erotic thriller until the second half. And even then, it's still not. Neither one of these films are really in the vein of the other films we're talking about. But I think Mm. that these are just, you can't really not talk about the genre without addressing these two movies and Adrian Lin's place in. I think I'm going to disagree with that a little bit once we get to Unfaithful. But with this one, I sort of agree. The gestures that it makes towards like even like classical Hollywood movies is pretty obvious. They meet at the same place where the movie begins. That's an ode to an affair to remember. John Gage tells that ridiculous story of him on a. What the fuck? Like, yeah, I didn't know that. And I was like, this sounds familiar. And then when I was looking it up afterwards, it was like there was a lot of not a lot of controversy, but there was some controversy around basically like just lifting something. He because he basically does almost quote it word for word, but it's not addressed in the movie. Right. So it does feel like, did you do this on purpose? There's a lot of motivations with his character that I didn't quite understand because by the end of it, I was like, this guy's a psychopath. Yeah, I agree. Addressing that at all. I remember once when I was young and I was coming back from someplace, a movie or something, I was on the subway. And there was a girl sitting across from me and she was wearing this dress that was buttoned clear up right to here. She was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I was shy then. So when she would look at me, I would look away. Then afterwards, when I would look back, she would look away. Then I got to where I was gonna get off and got off, the doors closed. And as the train was pulling away, she looked right at me and gave me the most incredible smile. It was awful. I wanted to tear the doors open. And I went back every night, same time, for two weeks. But she never showed up. I like Robert Redford when he's teamed up with someone with a little more fireworks and dynamo. So, I mean, obviously. Yeah, Paul he's Newman. not the most exciting actor. He's he's he no. kind of does also fit into the I mean, I guess he kind of fits into the vein of the actors that really, you know, thrived in these movies like Michael Douglas and Richard Gere, where he's yeah, just. Yeah, but I think that he's not inherently slimy. I like, he's I not think inherently he's kind slimy. Of he's seem, he seems pretty decent, actually. Yeah, but, he seems too good. But I think that in the same vein of like those actors and like a George Clooney where it's just they're kind mm-hmm. of like they're handsome, solid guys. They're never really bad because I've never loved Robert Redford. I always Me thought too. like, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a solid he's actor. Yeah, he's a handsome guy. He's never done anything like that remarkable, even. Yeah, because like in his best movies, he's either with Dustin Hoffman, Paul Newman, or fucking Faye Dunaway. So someone is always going to steal the movie from him. And in this, he's with Woody Harrelson, who's pretty great in this. Yeah, he's just kind of like looks in the background. 
Yeah, he's a very generous, solid actor. He never mm-hmm. steals the scene. He knows his place. He knows how to use his looks and his kind of very subtle charisma. Because he is very, like, subtly charismatic in his own way. Yeah, like, I like the dude. And I think a lot of... I don't have, like, a problem with him in this movie. But I do just think that character is so much weirder than the movie knows that he is. It totally is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it does make me wonder what it would have looked like with a different actor who maybe could have, like, tapped into that Slime. a little more. Because yeah, cause Robert Redford, like we said, he, he's pretty decent. He seems decent when he comes on the screen. Even when he's playing a guy like this, like, you can't help but be kind of charmed by him. He's pretty right. inoffensive. He's, you know, pretty like easygoing. He's not, you know, he's also rich as fuck. So he has every reason to be pretty easygoing. He's a beautiful speaking voice. Yeah, he's a great voice. Adrian Lynn was quoted as talking about that he's the best walker he's ever seen. He said oh, the cute. way the guy walks is really incredible. He's elegant. He's very elegant. Yeah, He's yeah. elegant in the way that I don't think that many 90s heartthrobs were. So he did like harken back to like an old, sure. con- like an Hollywood archetype. Yeah. I mean, but you're right. Like I think a different actor, and I want to say maybe it's so obvious, but like someone like Newman that has a little more like grit and spunk in him could have been kind of funny in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody who could at least, even the scumminess of them, like it's like there's a slickness about them that you're not quite sure what they're concealing. Robert Redford, for the most part with this character, just seems like even his you know in the main scene where he's doing propositioning them you know giving them the indecent proposal like even having to say really unintentionally dark lines like you know her being like well you can't buy people and he's like sure you can i buy people every day like that's dark yeah when he says it you're like oh i mean it doesn't seem that bad right but in the script too oliver platt at some point refers to him as a billionaire poonhound major yeah, poonhound he's a major poonhound and i don't and you don't actually get that from redford's depiction of this character because once him and diana fuck and and her marriage kind of goes kaput. They end up just dating. And yeah, it's like, it's very is strange. he a poonhound? Yeah, we can, we can in a little bit, talk more a little yeah. bit about that. And, <laughs> and also like he has goes. that weird butler who has killed someone, which again, I think is a, Cassell, ode yeah. to a Cary Grant movie where he, ha- where Cary Grant plays a rich older dude that his brother happens to have killed someone. That is not the major plot line in that movie either. It's just kind of thrown in there. In a waste of Seymour Cassell, who just kind of has to sit there and nod. And uh, He sits there and nod. He gets that one scene the at the very end. Yeah, the car. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is interesting to pit Robert Redford against someone like Woody Harrelson because Woody Harrelson is like so naturally also charismatic in a very different way. And not traditionally handsome. Not traditionally and handsome, it, but like immediately easy to get behind. Like I think Woody Harrelson is another actor who you just, not necessarily necessarily like take for granted but you i think people take him for I think, granted i think for a while does he not have a like, fucking oscar yet like he doesn't have an oscar he's been nominated that's ridiculous. i think he should have won for the messenger instead of christoph waltz for inglorious mm-hmm. bastards i think christoph waltz is incredible in inglorious bastards have you seen the messenger no i haven't he's really really fucking good in it he has a scene in that movie towards the end where he has to sit on a couch and eat a cheeseburger and cry really quietly to himself and it's probably the most realistic depiction Aww. of like a grown man crying I've ever seen in my life. It's incredible. Yeah, I think that him in this movie, he feels the most at home, but that just might be who he is. Not to say that he's not just as great now, but I love this time period. Like White Man Can't Jump is probably my favorite performance and movie of his. I really like that movie. I honestly he's don't great remember his performance. It's been so long. Oh, since really? He's oh, you though. have to see. Yeah, I mean, he's just fucking great. He's just fucking great. So it's kind of like that movie is just a genre. It just it seems like a movie I would like anyway. So that's someone that I attach myself to. But I don't right. think he's ever bad. I think he's always no. good. In this, like even him and Demi Moore, like I, I buy them. I bought bad. it. And yeah. I think that a lot of times you see some pair. I mean, Demi Moore is just like a solid 
hard 10. And so you're like, oh, huh, them. And then you immediately buy it because the relationship feels so real. Yeah. We should also say that we're told that their relationship like starts in high school and then they like get married very young. I think they're supposed to be, what, 28? ish something like that they're def- yeah maybe they're- even younger like 26 to 28 I, yeah. I think they're both supposed to be under 30 yeah so when they fight i am a person that does not like conflict or arguments or fighting and so there's some slight scenes early on before they even meet gauge where they are fighting with each other and they're both like still too fiery where I'm like oh my god like you guys need to have counseling like you guys are happy and you love each other but you two need fucking counseling if you're throwing shit at each other I was like this is like they're not their marriage isn't as perfect as like the voiceover (laughs) would like allow you well I think that's kind of the whole movie's like depiction of like a very kind of like fairy tale like young person romance it's like Uh they're too very even being poor is kind of romanticized in this movie where they're just like we have nothing but we have each other They, they still live in a pretty solid space they, they have a pretty nice a garden spot. yeah they have a garden like, they have a nice kitchen they have a great dog who i really want to know who is babysitting the dog when they go to vegas i really want to know why doesn't she miss the dog more when she moves out like gage just buys those two other dogs and she's like oh but it's like it's not like when you love a dog you can just like yeah throw that affection on the nearest dog that that did bother me as a dog owner (laughs) yeah i don't know there's just something about the way that adrian lynn shoots movies too where they're very especially like this it it looks like a lifetime movie with better better production value like it's very kind of glossy and Mm -hmm. smoky and sunlit and like then he'll do like a couple weird things like the weird hippo to like the hippo stuffed animal to like the real hippo. And that then was very weird. I was very confused what I was looking at. When I was like, I don't know. He went for something. Yeah. And then there's that whole part where Woody Harrelson's character, where David has the epiphany that he actually doesn't want to go through with the indecent proposal. And, <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a tiki show happening. And then he runs outside and there's like another yeah. fountain show. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, yeah, I think that those moments are really goofy, but there's something about them that kind of like, buoyed the movie up for me because it is kind of a boring movie. (laughs) But that's the other thing too is that like the realistic version of this movie imagine like Jeff Bezos propositioning you to fuck your wife. You'd be like yeah I guess go fuck your bald guy and we'll be fine. Jeff Bezos is at least under 60 and fit. Like I'm not trying to give (laughs) Jeff Bezos any credit. Yeah. But like Donald Trump would be it's just like it's so gross. Yeah, or like IRL. Elon Musk, like all these guys that are just like really weird. Or if it was like age, the age kind of what they're going for in this movie, it'd be like if Warren Buffett was like, I'd like to fuck You're your right. wife tonight. And you'd be like, can you fuck my <laughs> wife tonight? I mean. You have something that I just don't have. Well, I guess there's limits to what money can buy. Not many. Uh, well, some things aren't for sale. Such as? But you can't buy people. That's naive, Diana. I buy people every day. Oh, well, in business, maybe, but not when real emotions are involved. So what are you saying? You can't buy love? That's a bit of a cliche, don't you think? It's absolutely true. Is it? What do you think? I agree with Diana. You do? I think we should talk about just the underlying darkness of this movie, because to me watching it, I was like, this movie is like a few tweaks away from being a horror movie. Like you could easily turn this into a horror movie and this could easily become an erotic thriller like the other movies we've talked about. Because Because once he lifts her up. So I guess we should say 
when Woody Harrelson decides that he doesn't want them to fuck anymore, he'd rather not have the Millie. He has epiphany again through a water fountain show (laughs) Um, and then runs back to the hotel room Mm -hmm. um, where I guess he assumes that they are like maybe about to fuck. But actually what's happened is John Gage has taken Diana on a helicopter ride. Much like, I don't know how familiar you are with the oeuvre of The Bachelor, but that's what they do when it gets down to like the final girls mm-hmm. and they're in a city together. They make all the girls who aren't on a date be in one hotel room. And then the bachelor takes on a helicopter, like the girl that he's on a date with that night up. So all the other girls have to watch. I right. will say I if ABC got that. Yeah, it is. It is one of the best moves that they do on that show right. every time. It's so awesome. And then there'll be fireworks too. But so wow, then he takes course. her to a yacht that you can live on basically. Basically, she has a whole dressing room. So if that was a moment that it became a horror movie, it would be pretty effortless. <laughs> like I would buy that too. Totally. Well, I was going to say, I think it's actually a little bit later. I think it's like you could easily, I was watching this. I was like, you know, Hey, if you're listening, don't steal this from me, but you could easily make this like a, a modern day, like Bloomhouse style horror movie where it's like a broke millennial couple who accept a charming billionaire's proposal to get out of debt only to have them infiltrate their lives and turn it all upside down because oh. the whole thing, like when they get back and oh, they're, yeah. they're trying to use their money to get back to building the property that they had to stop building because of the recession and they're related on their payments and then the property gets bought by somebody else and then of course they discover that it was bought by Robert Redford which I was like that's so fucking It is so fucked and the movie lets them off the hook pretty easily and so does Diana she does throw an incredible fit at a restaurant Right. But then after that, he's like, you don't hate me. You wish you could hate me. Like, yeah, you love me. And and, and then he kind of just like accepts that, which is like, if that were to happen, I would be like, this is fu-. even whatever feelings I may have developed for this person in that night or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the moment I discovered that I would be like, this is fucked. Well, because this what the movie so truly dark. believes, even though I think that it has a red herring of them both co-narrating the story. Right. I think that's a fucking red herring because actually the movie believes that a woman's commodity is her body. Like, if you think about their jobs, what does David do? He's a fucking architect. Right. And what does she do? She's a fucking real estate agent. So his job is to build a house and right. her job is to just be like, be a property sex hoe, like yes. be a, be a person <laughs> in a house who sells it. No, truly. Because like yeah. the whole real estate business there is, it does feel like a place where women, like beautiful women end up sure. once maybe their first dream didn't come true. And it's because it's like the same thing with like Gavin Rosdell or Ben Affleck fucking the nanny. It's like, I think men are so stupid to think like, oh, this woman's in my house. <laughs> like I'll buy it now. Like I do think guys, are that dumb but I think that the movie really falls into that trap itself because it doesn't really give her that many scenes alone once the couple is broken up she's now just with Gage so she's and then and then David stalks them so she's kind of being stalked the whole time by like these two dudes yeah she kind of comes out I mean she comes out being the most sympathetic character because she's really just a pawn for these two men and she's undervalued by both of them but I will say that the second half moves so quickly like I they break up so fast I didn't even realize they broke up I thought they just had I know they didn't really even officially break up. That's why I was confused. So then when she's out to dinner with him and he rolls up, I was like, yeah, if I came up, I'd be like, whoa, what's going on? Like, we just There should have been a scene where she's deciding whether she can go on that dinner. Maybe like, and also yeah. Woody Harrelson's kind of given Oliver Platt to be his friend. She doesn't really have no. like a Joan Cusack bitch off to the side <laughs> that she can have a conversation with. Right. So yeah, I do think that the movie thinks that because it is a story about this couple that we root for and because they've co-narrated, I think that the movie thought that it was 
giving this genre equally to two parties. But I think, and even there's like some discussion like, oh, he doesn't own me. I can make my own decision. Like when they're like kissing dice at the counter and and things like that. Which I gotta say, I. You can't kiss dice during COVID. Yeah. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's never happening again. So I think that, like, yeah, there's all these like false promises of like equality that when you get down to like what the movie truly believes in it doesn't actually like hold up at all no not at all and i mean i think even the way that it wraps up with with the gauge character was also extremely extremely confusing because you have so, this, <laughs> so you have this yeah, whole yeah, sequence where they go to this auction and he's like i'm gonna buy you a hippopotamus which is were hippos endangered I have no idea, but at the okay. same time, I would be like, look, just because I like hippos doesn't mean I want you to buy a hippo. Okay. That's insane. Once again, <laughs> doesn't get into the darkness or the just out of touch reality of this character who's just like, I guess I'll buy her a hippo because that's what she right. likes because I'm rich. But then you just you have this insane scene where there's this auction <laughs> and then it starts raining. It starts raining so so much. quickly there, there's no signs of rain coming and it yeah. just, it's pouring rain and everybody runs woody harrelson shows up it's like to buy music the hippo video rain. For, yeah for a million dollars he's like i want to buy that hippo so <laughs> he doesn't even have the million no technically he doesn't even have a million because there's also the cut for his lawyer there's taxes there's all this shit um there's no way he has the full million which is insane and then redford is like i should give you guys a second you know to talk and then it's like he's watching Woody and Demi Moore talk from afar in the rain mm-hmm. and they're like signing their divorce papers and it's really sad and Redford looks like it's like they they want him to have this moment of like wow that is what yeah. real human beings feel like he's just so detached from reality or something but it's not really portrayed that way I think it's supposed to be like that scene in Frankenstein where the monster watches a family I think a lot of <laughs> movie I mean I do think that it's yeah. lifted in a lot because I think that scene is really moving in Frankenstein where the monster hides in these bushes and watches this family right and grows really attached to them mm-hmm. and then once the family he's revealed to the family they're like disgusted by him it's actually lifted really well in the show angel like i was like (laughs) listen i know that i'm pretty easy on that show but i was like oh it's done really well here it's done pretty poorly here yeah he just shone through like a curtain of rain just watching this couple sign their divorce papers they're getting drenched and redford is such a like he's such a subtle actor that even in that scene it's not that he's bad he's technically doing i think the most interesting thing that he possibly could do in that moment yeah yeah yeah. he can give you a lot just from his face but the implications of it I think are just not really being looked at in a complicated way by Adrian Lynn. No, I think we're also supposed to think that maybe because he tells that stupid story about how his story is like, I saw this girl on a train and we like made eye contact, but after I was off the train and we never saw each other again. And I think about her every day. And I'm, first of all, I'm like, homie, she never thinks about you. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, it, uh, who hasn't had like, I'm, I'm sure everyone's I'm everyone's sure. had something like that. And also it's just like you're just trying to humanize like a billionaire who's a psychopath. But exactly. Completely unchecked. To me, that made him seem more crazy. Totally. The more the okay. movie goes on, the more I'm like, this guy is unhinged. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're totally not going into it. And it really does like, you know, I think if you were to make the movie today, which there is a remake in the works. What? Um, Starring who? Starring who? There's no one attached yet, but it's being written by the writer who did The Girl on the Train. So we'll see. Oh, <laughs> but, that? 
It's Erica and I call that movie drunk detective. It's so I just I'm like, if you make that movie today, there's so many different things you have to change. And also through the lens of like the fact that we have there's more billionaires, obviously, now than there were at that time. The wealth divide is so great. Mm-hmm. It is kind of ripe in a good way for a remake yeah. with with, I think, good, you know, kind of with with more social awareness and things like that by adapting it to like even thinking about it today. There's, there's not really any charming, handsome billionaires that I can think of. Most of the billionaires in the world are like they own like Walmart and, you know, or the, the Koch brothers. They're evil. Yeah. They're and evil. also the fact that like wealth distorts so much. It distorts empathy and understanding. It just seems like it would be impossible for a lot of these people to really even feel any type of real emotion. And I feel like the movie has an opportunity to get into that, but it just doesn't. No, it doesn't. And it completely writes it off in the last scene with Redford in the limo, which is confusing on multiple levels. I think we're supposed to think that he is like a sweet like Cary Grant type like a yes. cad but that's and I, oh that's another ode to an old movie the two the double-sided tales on the coin is also in a Cary Grant movie nothing but, could go wrong for me <laughs> I think it's from when only Angel have wings. I'm not sure don't I, I'm not sure okay but I was like oh I think that's a Cary Grant thing too but his so, whole quote so he sees them yeah. at that rainy auction we're supposed to think that he's had some sort of like change of heart and he and he has that conversation with his driver who has killed someone. <laughs> That's just a side story. Just to remind and the driver is just like murderer. going a, along with it, yeah. but clearly is just going along with it. And Redford is clearly lying and he says that well, Demi Moore is he's clearly lying, maybe. In a way, I think he's supposed to be lying. I think he is. But at first I was like, this doesn't seem like he's supposed to be lying. This is also like the way that he's able to just like, like pull this lie out of his ass. Like how many, how many. Well, say the lie, say the lie, say the lie. The whole lie is that he's like, you're a part of the million dollar club. And he's like, you're my favorite member of the million dollar club, which is like a sinister horror movie reveal. Right. In that moment, Seymour Casella, his driver just kind of goes along with it. She's not angry. She's just like, let me out here. I got to go find my poor husband before. Yeah, and himself. then she gets on a fucking city bus. It's yeah. like I would at least give be like, her hey, some fucking cab me, money. Yeah, I'd be like, why don't you give me drop your credit me off card somewhere? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're driving. She's got to go find Woody before he jumps off a bridge. And and but at the same time, like Redford's like he's still trying to be sympathetic in the scene, and he's basically he's basically like even though he's lying, it's just it's a weird lie because it's a big lie, mm-hmm. and it, it also feels like something that could be true. Like it's also one of the things where I'm like, yeah, I would totally. The movie buy that feels this guy uncomfortable at implicating the movie. He feels uncomfortable with the audience not liking Gage, which I think yeah. that it would be a stronger movie if it just made him kind of a reprehensible character through and through totally. because, he, because is. he really is. Yeah. Also, He's just like, who yeah. gives a fuck? Because fuck also, <laughs> once they once they get on the boat after they accept the proposal, but before they fuck, he then judges Woody Harrelson's character. He's like, I wouldn't have done that if I were him. It's like, yeah, this, it's so you don't weird. fucking know. Yeah. Like, the you, whole like, way that probably he probably never like, been poor. Yeah. He manipulates all of them where he like yeah. talks to me more like God you know your husband's a real fucking idiot you know yeah. I would never <laughs> let you fuck anyone for a night but yeah of course this guy probably is some generational wealth fucking piece of shit who's just inherited all of this and is able to throw money around like it's nothing I'm sorry if you have a million dollars to throw at a couple to be like let me fuck your shit because up because he for had a already night. lost a million dollars that night at yeah. whatever it's Vegas stupid. game it's that like is. this is like a perfect representation of why we should not allow people to be like there should not mm-hmm. be billionaires 
it's so fucking dark. It has no idea how dark it is. I'm kind of scared for what this movie looks like in, you know, whatever, 2021 or 2022, whenever the fuck it gets made. I think that it would get some things right. I think the contract would definitely be more generous to the woman. Because if yeah. that was a contract for me, it would be like, yo, there's no anal. And there has to be like a time limit. The, you know, it would be more about Yeah, that's my what I was limit. I was like, how many it times does he get to fuck about, her? Exactly. It's also super rapey. It's very just like. It's very rapey. He's like, you're going to you're gonna want this by the end of the night and yeah it's fucking weird well and then what i think is even more insidious later when they go back home when diana and david are back home and they're trying to just normalize they eventually have an explosive fight about the night and he was like did you like it did you like it did you like it and in that moment which i think is like one of the better parts that's probably the the best scene in the movie me too and it's because they're both really good and it feels like an actual realistic conversation that would but he would rather have her character he would rather have had diana be the victim of like borderline rape than like have an enjoyable ish time fucking this guy for a million dollars and i mean i think that's really true i think that's probably accurate like i might even feel that way if i was on the other side like i like human emotions are like a tangled necklace but but yeah it does suck because the movie could be so much more complex if it was interested in not just being sensational because there is a really interesting underlying darkness to this idea like going back to a billionaire preying on a poor couple and knowing like this is gonna he does enough research later to know yeah like to buy that property yeah like this is gonna fuck your marriage up Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna continue to try to like fuck you and hound you and destroy your marriage but it should be okay because the money should make him happy or whatever and then you Mm -hmm. can just live off of my wealth there's so many sinister undertones there that it doesn't really quite get into and that scene is the only thing approaching it and i think it's because woody harrelson and demi moore are both really good actors and they both humanize that scene you know i'm on both of their sides in that scene because i know that from his perspective i couldn't ever just like never bring it up again yeah and then from her perspective i'm like we said we were never going to like i believe in both of their perspectives it's also this thing where we never see what happened that night too which which is such a cocktail <laughs> it's a weird it's like a kind of like i i kind of admire it and i kind of don't because at the same time on one end i'm kind of like you're a trashy movie and you think you're not so just own it that's how i felt <laughs> you know what i mean but at the same time it's like yeah because you don't really get to see what she felt that night and then because things right. just kind of spiral out so quickly and she's right in that scene where she's like I can't win because like if I had right. good sex and I'm honest with you, you're going to feel awful. It's like either way, it's 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 you're not going to be happy about it. And again, I like Woody Harrelson in this movie, but it does feel like another way to like control a woman's body is to be like, I right. also need to control sure. like the vantage point of your pleasure is like what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And it, but I also think that's like a true statement. And I've always said that I think the erotic thriller is about like you have to have a woman that you can't read because like men don't know if we like actually have an orgasm or not. And it's like yeah. just it's just a genre that I think is organized around that upsetting yeah. fact. <laughs> totally. And then she kind of says that she did like it. Right. Which is like, that's, and that's fine. I was like, relieved when I heard that. I would, but also at the same time, I'd rather my wife enjoy it than exactly. feel like it's she a million was, dollars. Yeah. I'd be like, listen, I'd rather you at least enjoy yourself than like feel like, cause otherwise it does feel like this is like rape. some weird form of rape. Yeah. Like yeah. this is fucked up. The three of them are such good actors and they're mm-hmm. not way that like they can they can carry it only so far but like they do their best like they yeah. really are committed they they really kind of go for it because it's pretty silly where did you get this in your wallet well i've never seen it before well it was right there in the old secret compartment oh, david i don't even use that have you been seeing him no i haven't you can't stop thinking about him can you he won't let me can you d what are you doing going through my wallet anyway i don't trust you well you know what i don't trust you either well then we're even 
So that is a 35% or not guy right. Yeah, not great. I guess I'm surprised it's not maybe slightly higher. This this felt like something that would me be too, like me too, me too. maybe. Same, same, same. Um, I thought this would be uh, like a, ooh, we, like we got to get on this one now before yeah, yeah, yeah. people well, start And it was such it. a like zeitgeist movie at the time. Yeah. Um, Roger Ebert said, it is artificial and manipulative. And in the real world, this sort of thing would never happen in this way. But then that's why we line up at the ticket window. We want to leave the real world for a couple hours anyway. So he was pretty easy on it. He was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, this is silly, but like, I guess, fuck it. It's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Travers at Rolling Stone did not like it. He says a sexist propaganda. The film is shameless. Yeah, but who's Peter Travers to call something out on being sex? Exactly. I'm just like, no, okay, absolutely. Peter, yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, Owen Gleiberman, who likes a lot of these movies, did not like it. Said Indecent Proposal starts out kinky, turns into a languid and shockingly banal domestic soap opera. Well, yeah, because I think that maybe that's why it has a low rating is because it's like not good enough to be a true Oscar bait drama. And it's also not satisfying as someone who just like wants to watch murder. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, Yeah, it's pleasing no one. I do agree with the Austin Chronicle review, which said Lynn has the stylized talent of a softcore pornographer. He choreographs Mm -hmm. his movies like Lingorious Sex Scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Lane of the New Yorker said the movie is hardly in a position to chastise Gage for his empty soul when its own style is one of numbing, desolate slickness. I don't think it is really chastising Gage, honestly. I do agree the movie is empty in a lot of ways, but I don't think it's really... It seems like it's going the hardest on Demi Moore's character. So whether intentional or not, that's what it's doing. Finally, caffeinated Clint. I know it. It's not a good poll quote, but he liked it. Solid filmmaking (laughs) and solid performances. He kept it simple. But he liked he it. He enjoyed it. I want to know what he thinks about the hippos. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I mean, I think it was I all worth it for the hippo. Like, huh? <laughs> Going into the behind the scenes with the casting. Do you know who this movie was originally intended for? I know that Halle Berry wanted it. Halle Berry did want it. She kind of was racist. They were like, we don't want to make it about race, thing. but it's like, cool. You are technically auctioning off this woman. Yeah. It was sex, like, so. uh, yeah, I actually think that so they if it does get remade, it was, they will. Yeah. Uh, no, this was originally designed as a starring vehicle for Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. With, oh, with that, Warren Beatty taking the part of the billionaire. Warren I think Beatty, somebody, I could see because he is kind of a slime, slime, gross, gross. I actually think that would have been better. Me too. Because Tom Cruise is also, you know, more traditionally handsome. So it's a little bit more of a not so like. And he get, he just good at a mad to, scene. Yeah, and also we've seen him play a horrified cuck in Eyes Wide Shut, yeah. so we know yeah. what that looks like. He's great in that, and Nicole Kidman is yeah, great, the best. I mean, look, I love Demi. I don't know if Nicole anyone Kidman's. else could have looked as good as Demi in that specific dress. That specific no. dress that she tries on at the Vegas Mall is truly made for her body, yeah. her face. It just it makes her glimmer. Yes. Less so the the Mandarin collar dress she has to put on later. <laughs> I will say that is another example of how like like Asianists can yeah. just be like tried on as yes. like an exotic fun thing. I also don't think that suits her in the same way, it way that not. the other dress suit her. It should, you should just like up the ante with her costuming. You see the first dress and that's yep. the best dress. The role of Diana was offered to Julia Roberts after. You can tell. She turned it Those down. Those jeans so shorts say. Julia. Yeah. Kind of feel bad. A lot of actors were considered before Woody Harrelson. He was kind of one of the last picks. I guess he wasn't huge at the time, but there was some, let's see, there was William Baldwin was considered before. Oh, yuck. Yeah. William Baldwin was really getting a lot of offers back then. I don't fucking get it. Yeah. John Cusack. That I can can see see because he plays jealous well. He does. He's a good actor. That was a good time for him too. Val Kilmer would not have worked. 
No. Tim Robbins. No. I think he's a good actor, but no. Charlie Sheen, definitely not. No. Finally, Johnny Depp. It's hard for me to to separate what I feel about Johnny Depp. Yeah, it's like thinking about who he was in the early 90s. I think he could have been interesting. I also think that there kind of needs to be a little disparity in the attractiveness of the couple. And I think Johnny Depp is almost too pretty. Where like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman have that. John Cusack is another person that's like, I think he's hot. Like a young John Cusack. I think he's hot. But he's like not going to be as hot. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I fucked hotter people than John Cusack. I have never fucked someone as hot as Demi Moore. And I think that that needs to be embedded in like the atmosphere of the movie too. So I, I would actually say no, Johnny Depp is too pretty. No, I agree. Coincidentally, Woody Harrelson was cast in Benny and June at the time he walked oh. off of that movie to be in this movie and was replaced by Johnny Depp. It worked Probably, out. I think that they ended Those, up in the movie yeah. for them. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Greenwriter Amy Holden Jones. Do you know what her first movie was that she directed? No, no. What is it? Slumber Party Massacre. Oh, really? Yeah. She directed Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> that was her first movie. Tight. Yeah. We're fans. <laughs> yeah. We're weird. huge fans of some of that movie. I know. I know. This is weird. Robert Redford had a body double in this movie. It was a porn star. I knew star. it was a porn star. Yeah. And Randy West. What does he need a body double for? I was going to say, so they must have filmed some fuck scenes. They had to have and then cut it out. So the source material, this was interesting to me because I never thought of this movie as being an adaptation and it's such a loose adaptation. It pretty much strips the original book's complete plot down to the basic question. Okay. What would you do? That's kind of like an afterthought in a way in the book. So the original novel contained cultural friction that the screenwriter left out of the movie. The main character named Joshua is Jewish and his billionaire foil is an Arab. In a review of the novel, the New York Times summarized its themes as the sanctity of marriage versus the love of money, the Jew versus significant non-Jews such as shikses and sheiks. Skill versus luck, materialism versus spirituality, Israel versus the Arab countries, the past oh versus my God. The, the religious world versus the secular one. It's pretty crazy that someone read that book and was like, but wait. Right. What about the whole central thing about fucking the my million wife? Bucks. This movie was a huge success. It only cost $38 million to make. It made $106 million at the U.S. Holy box smells. office and $266 million worldwide. MVP. Woody. Like, it's just... I, I love Demi Moore, but she, we've also, yeah. this is her third movie on Rotten Rewind. So, but Woody Harrelson is just so good here. And then I He's started the like deep yeah. diving and realizing that he doesn't fucking have an Oscar yet. Such I a bummer. We're also introducing a new rating system today Woo! on the podcast. Something that we wanted to do, but we just couldn't figure out how to. We didn't know how to make it not silly, but I think we found a way and yeah. sure we'll change it over time. But our rating system, there are five categories that a movie can fall into. At the worst, it can just be the worst offender because it's just boring and bad. It's not even fun. It's just bad. It's just a waste of time. Can you think time. of an example of, well, I guess we were saying rhythm section, which we have not covered and we won't probably. Yeah, that's just a bad movie. It's yeah. just boring. It is. The next would be Trainwreck, which you would think would be the worst, but it's kind of just like a- it's No, because so it's bad fascinating. You can't look away. Yeah, it's incredibly fascinating, like Blame It on Rio. Mm-hmm. There's also So Bad It's Good. It's like a future yeah. cult classic. I think that's kind of what Showgirls started off as, but now I was when just I look at Showgirls, say, I'm like, I think Showgirls is actually just a good movie. True, true, true. Just kind of misunderstood. The second to top category would be in the voice of Larry David. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. It's yeah, like it's this, pretty is good. Pretty, this is pretty good. This isn't bad. I don't know what we're kind of freaking out about. And then the top is misunderstood masterpiece. Just critics right. are way off. Kind of like our first episode, Bamboozled. Bamboozled. The yeah. shit's great. What are you talking yeah. about? What do we think about Indecent Proposal? Ooh, this one's hard because I do think it's 
boring. <laughs> it's boring. But I don't think it's like the worst offender again because it did kind of become not even a cult classic. Like it was pretty successful. And I don't think it's like flashy it, enough to be a train wreck. No, it's not a train wreck. So it's pretty, pretty good. I don't know. Because I also don't think it's pretty, pretty good. I know. It kind of just... This is like a weird one. Maybe the maybe the middle one. Like the so bad it's good. Mm, mm. I don't even think it's so bad it's good though. I know it's tough. Fuck. On our first air, we're going to have to introduce a new I know. one. It kind of just exists. Yeah, because it's, it's just not, a movie. If just, anything, I would say it's the worst offender, but it's like all, also like canonical at this point. So it's a it's a hard one. I would say yeah. it's in between one and two because it does have a premise that, that, that is like a so train bad. wreck. Yeah. yeah. But it is the worst offender because it does just kind of arrive with a duck. Sure. I agree. But. Should we should we move from <laughs> Demi, to, Demi to Diane? Yeah, please. Okay. You okay? No, I went down like an old lady. I really hurt my knee. Come on up and get it off, no? Come on. Anyone we can sue? There was this nice guy that helped me, though. Is he good looking? Let's send him a bottle of wine. Cheap wine. Before you go, take your book. Souvenir. Be happy for this moment. This moment. This moment is your life. Is your life. I think this is a mistake. There's no such thing as a mistake. There's what you do and what you don't do. I want you to follow my wife. What if I told you I found nothing? I want to know. I want the truth. <gasps> what did you do? Apparently this is a remake. Yes, of a Claude Chabreau film. Uh-huh. It's all in the title. But basically... A woman named Connie, <laughs> played by Dan- Diane Lane. She's married to Edward, played by Richard Gere. And it seems like they've been married a little over a decade by the age of their child and their wedding photos. Yeah. They have a really obnoxious child in this movie. Yeah. And they have boring, but I would say a happily married life. Like it's a picture of married life that yeah. doesn't seem traumatic. There's yeah. no big, big, big problems. But during yeah. a really windy day in New York City, Connie, apocaly- it's like an apocalypse. It's a hurricane. Like, it is a, I have never seen wind like this in a big city where people are just going about their day. <laughs> this would be like so you got to stay inside because trash yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there would have been hurricane warnings. Yeah, definitely. You probably wouldn't be carrying a stack of books that looks like you're literally in a Dr. Seuss or like Belle and Beauty and the Beast. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. But anyways, yeah, yeah. anyways, anyways. There's a really there's a hurricane, yeah. um, a spur of the moment hurricane in New York City. And Connie like literally falls into the lap of a super hot French dude played Mm -hmm. by Olivier Martinez. Mm. He's a book dealer and he has a great apartment that he helps her clean up in because she busts her leg open. She gets a skin knee during this. He basically lives in like a library slash fuck house. He, his apartment is fucking great. Like it is exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's a book dealer. So he just has stacks of books everywhere. Mm -hmm. He knows them all by heart. It seems like. Yeah, and then they start having weird phone conversations because this is like before rampant cell phones are everywhere, especially right. maybe for people at their age. Sure. Then she just starts having a super hot affair with him that includes public sex. And yeah. Edward, they really don't give a fuck. They really don't give a fuck. Edward yeah. seems to know basically immediately that something is up and he hires a private eye to track his wife down. And then I don't know if we should spoil. Should we spoil? I mean, it's just might as well. You kind of, I mean, I feel okay. like we spoil every movie. Okay. Okay. So it's, then what happens is he gets, so he's, it's confirmed that his wife has cheated on him. Not only just cheated on him, cheated on him with like 
a cologne commercial. Like this guy the is cliche fucking like, hot. You never like if you found out this guy was fucking your wife, you'd be like, are you serious? Yeah. That's I, the guy that's fucking my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is your worst nightmare. Yes. So then he tracks him down, goes to his apartment and in like a very strange fit of he's kind of hyperventilating rage. Yeah. yeah. It feels like he's having a nervous breakdown. He takes a snow globe that we will go get into <laughs> in a few minutes. Yeah, he literally can't even see straight. He's just yeah. losing he his mind. Can't see straight, but does manage to bash Olivier Martinez like straight in the head uh, enough to fucking murder him. And then the rest of the just movie, a lot of blood. A lot of blood, dude. Lot and of then blood. he, you know, covers it up, kind of dumps the body. And then, you know, the police start wondering where the fuck this guy is. And then the couple are kind of reunited through this trauma. Murder. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They All they needed to spice up their marriage was a little murder. What is the goddamn score <laughs> oh, on this one? I, I actually was surprised that this was rotten because teenage yeah. me thought this was like a great movie, but it's 50%. Yes. So high for an erotic thriller summer series movie but it's lower the, than i would expect there's so there's like yeah. prestige earmarks in this movie diane it's, lane was nominated for an oscar adrian lynn i feel like is very good at dressing up trash yeah um, he is, is kind of the he needs to take my wedding photo <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, this one in particular is really really like I think the biggest offender as far as being false advertising, because you're expecting this yes. to be like an adult drama prestige film. And it looks like it. It looks like it's going for like an Academy play, which is it's goofy. <laughs> yeah. But underneath it, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> this is really silly and trashy. It is silly and trashy. But what I really love about it this time after watching a bunch of these with you is that it feels like this is a movie where the sweater mom that we talked about and so many of the other ones, just like the boring housewife yeah. that sits at home, she's actually the protagonist. Yeah. And she gets to fuck and make mistakes. Sure. And I really like that about the movie. Yeah. I actually don't think the movie, I think the problem overall with the movie is that it's two different movies. Yeah. And the first movie <laughs> is like, the, yeah, you're in the wheelhouse. Like this is, mm -hmm. this works. Like it's just a movie about this woman breaking out of her boring marriage with her awful son that I can't believe they birthed and like, you know, oh getting to God. fuck a hot French dude. Um, I was as hot as Diane Lane and then had a baby with someone as handsome as Richard Gere. And, and then that, like that fucking oh, yeah. troll came out of me. Oh, my first note on this movie is that is not their kid. Yeah. There is no way that that fucking little runt came out of. <laughs> so he's the youngest Richard kid in Malcolm in the Middle. So yes. I also say we can talk shit about him. He's getting royalty checks. He's fucking fine. He's, he's not necessarily he's bad in this movie, but I did have like a whole section of my notes of reason why I hate this chat. How old is he supposed to be? Like nine? I don't know. He he really sticks out like a sore thumb in this movie. Like he right because he does like he doesn't he does look kind of like kid acting that yeah. is like put on precociousness that I yes. just fucking hate. And Total, he doesn't like look early like them. Thousands like kid where it's just like this There's isn't just, a real kid. Like he asks a lot of stupid questions to the point he's of, like, that's too not even, old like, a real to be needing question. help peeing. He's like nine and he needs yeah. help brushing his teeth and peeing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, like, or there's something seriously wrong with this kid that the movie never touches. Oh it's God. just bad casting. It just it it doesn't look casting. like them. He's so distracting. They give him like the, the flame beanie at the beginning that I was just yeah. like, I mean, very 2000s. He looks like a pen 15 character. Like he is <laughs> a nightmare. He's just so annoying. It's also he just funny. He takes you out of every scene. Every scene he comes in, you're just like, oh, fuck. Because Diane killed. Lane, I totally understand why 
she was given so much praise for this movie. She's, she's pretty great, really restrained. But then when she's having to act with this child that's like under the table, free, it, he really takes me out of the movie. Yeah. Just could have been a, a normal kid. He is. It's just funny too, that this was a period in the early 2000s when the kids in Malcolm in the Middle were getting more work than Brian Cranston. You know, Right, you're right. Like that show <laughs> went on for, you know, it was on from 2000 to 2006. Brian Cranston didn't get Breaking Bad till 2008. And in those six years, he wasn't doing much. He was obviously cashing checks on that show. But yeah, this was a period when this little fucking shit and Frankie yes. Muniz were getting more work. There's a um, scene where he literally spits out his gum into his mom's hands and yeah. she eats it. It's just, it's such a weird scene. Again, thank you, Diane Lane, for doing that. The kid also is like in a weird habit of saying the word bonkers a lot. Like he keeps saying like, mom, this is bonkers. And I'd be like, hey, sweetie, why don't you learn a new fucking word? I do not appreciate the kid or his performance, but typically I think that the erotic thriller child is a little younger than this. And this kid is at like one of the most annoying ages of especially young boys. Yeah. And I think that that friction could have been played out more Mm -hmm. because boys are cute. Like my nephews are three and five and they're mostly a fucking adorable right now. But sometimes when I'm at a grocery store, I see like an 11 year old and I'm like, oh, yucky yeah, like they just get age. to be yeah yeah and probably, so i do like that so she's like butted up against like an aging richard gear who still looks pretty good mm-hmm. in this movie however i don't really like him at all i uh, think he's like he's, too pouty too pathetic he's a little bitch in this yeah i i just yeah. i don't really understand he's like made too much into a little bitch it's kind of like they it's just confusing really to subverted me. the role like they really inverted the roles to the point where richard yeah. gear is written it's almost like they wrote it and like we're just like let's switch yeah the sexes and richard gear is is just kind of like this like pouty like housewife who's just oh my god I can't believe my wife's fucking this guy. I know but you would think in real life like he's hot for an older gentleman like she has a hot older husband. You would think that especially because he's like the breadwinner of the family because that's the other thing about the, like the classical erotic thriller is that the guy who's fucking up and like getting some on the side they're also the person making the money typically and I think that right. that's like baked into the plot. In this movie he is still the breadwinner so it doesn't invert that at all to like make it a true inversion she would have to have she would have to be like Meredith in disclosure and like yeah, have a sexy he's just office some job. unemployed but loser exactly exactly or or even like a stay-at-home dad yeah. which would be totally acceptable and fine but instead he's like the manager of I don't know some fucking kind of import ex I don't understand I don't know job. what he's doing but he seems like a shit he seems like a he's shitty, a shitty guy to work for. yeah I was yeah like, he's an asshole to work for so you you would think if that was I would just expect him to have maybe it's because I know who he has been in other films too right, I right. just kept expecting him to be like are you fucking somebody out like just come out with it like I never you, understand that. Is, yeah I, at a certain point I was like hey, he's let's like talk. quivering and scared yeah like, we have a kid together we're fucking married we've been together for a while let's be real here like what's going on like if something's going on let's figure out. Let's, yeah. yeah, he like tries to fuck her a couple of times and she's like too sleepy. Yeah, he tries to fuck her in the bathtub and then she gets out and he's just sitting he's in the like bathtub falling. like crying. <laughs> I just don't think it's <laughs> it's not a role that suits him totally. Like even someone just as hotter than him, like Brad Pitt now, I could believe that. But right. there's like so, like I don't think Gear has this range. No, he's I, I don't buy half of his scenes and half of his important scenes. He's a solid actor, but he's not dynamic or interesting interesting enough to make this character interesting. He's just not. He's kind of just Richard Gere. Out of the three main performances, she's the, well, the best. She's the movie. Olivia Martinez doesn't give that 
much of a performance. He's not bad. I just was like horrible. He just is. He's eye candy. Like yeah. I mean, you also, also they gave him a name that doesn't feel like they Paul? should have rewritten his name. His name is Paul Martel. His name is Paul Martel. But also, when when you hear his answering machine, it sounds like French gibberish. He's just, it literally sounds like nothing. It sounds like nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. But he is not saying you reach Paul Martel. He is saying something else, and it is not that. And I could not figure out what it was. But it literally just sounds like a French like Autobot or something like they hit okay. a button and we're just like, this is a French person speaking. I mean, he is kind of a French stereotype. He, he totally is. But also like in all fairness, I, I was like, works. you don't know anything about this guy. All you know is that he's right. French. He's handsome. He likes books and he likes to fuck. Otherwise you kind of find out more about him after his death. You're like, okay, he was married and he seems to also quote indecent proposal be a poonhound but yeah you don't really know anything about the guy you don't know anything about him watching it now i just felt bad for him i was like oh oh i feel super it's like he he's on this like water slide that he doesn't know is going to end up with him dying (laughs) no i agree with i mean he's just trying to fuck i don't know like he's just like listen i'm just reading my books and you Mm -hmm. know you seem kind of down you seem like you have a boring sex life at home and it's also the first time i saw this movie because i did see it in high school when it came out because my i think i had had like one boyfriend two boyfriends at that point and obviously like those relationships were adolescent relationships i guess i just kind of thought that that they had a feasible relationship but they really don't there's really nothing there besides sex even when they go to the movies that is a part that i really liked in richard gear's performance where the oh when he sees shows, the photographs oh i wrote goes, that down he is they go to the movies distraught. together yeah i i thought that was really sweet like there is something so he is genuine at that yeah he's looking at these photos and he sees the photo of them going to the movies they went to the movies like he's he's <laughs> yeah, gonna he's that's the there. worst part for him he's like i can't fucking believe you guys went to the movies but they really uh, just dr- like hump it during the movie anyway yeah also yeah if i was in that it's theater like, i'd be like there is a grown couple <laughs> fucking yeah they're in not, the front just of like, this theater yeah they like no regard for getting like, caught. Not like, they even almost like want to dis- get caught yeah not a discreet elevator jack off <laughs> like we saw in body of evidence but a full face-to-face yeah. hump no, they're walking around town like a fucking new couple, like on their honeymoon phase. They are so stupid. Diane Lane yeah, has she is the so bad sloppiest affair. Oh, yeah. I was like, at a certain point, I was like, yo, if you're going to do this. You got to fucking, you got to do it. Just do it right. Like, yeah, ooh. like you are really blowing this, man. Like, you're thank like, God they don't have cell phones. Like, but they thank- don't even, yeah, they don't even get in. Yeah, she's like calling him from the house and like watching her husband and son. Oh, like, I know. TV. I was like, yo. You're dumb. Yeah, she does so You're going to get caught. You would think that it would then have that be her undoing. It does a little bit with the parking ticket, but not really. She like drives shittily after she's having this affair. She's yeah. earning dinner. <laughs> Nobody like, in these movies can like keep it together. They're just like literally like getting in car chases or swerving off the yeah. road or like. She's a horrible liar. She like her she's lot. She's horrible in the sense that like you don't believe what she's saying. And also no. she can easily get found out by yeah, like. He she's catches bad her in all these lies right ways. after. She leaves new lingerie just sitting out. Well, that's the other thing too that's it was like that I think could have been interesting but also goes kind of unchecked is that there's never even a conversation later on of her just being like you know what I think I wanted to get caught right right because you right, would think right, that right. she would like she's literally like a serial killer like, like yeah. laying out photographs of her victims mm-hmm. and being like oh what's that you know? <laughs> revisiting the crime yeah, scene yeah she comes home like covered in blood and is just like I'm just at the nail salon she has sex with Paul <laughs> at a cafe where her yes. friends are right outside they're like in a booth and she fucks in the bathroom yep and again, even though they're fucking in a stall, it's kind of like the movie theater where they're just like their 
fucking, he has her pinned up like way above where the stall ends. Like yeah, you can see her head. Yeah, it's not even a private bathroom or anything. Just it's bobbing like anyone at could come tempo. In. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even in their first sex scene too, also oh God. kind of Let's, rapey. So rapey? She's basically being like, no, I don't want to do this. Crying. And he's like, come on, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do such a good French accent. No, I know you don't. <laughs> no, I mean, if I was in a situation that the dude I was about to fuck was like basically almost in tears, I yeah. would be like, "Do you not want to do this? You don't yeah. want to do this? this Let me drive you home." On. Yeah, yeah. In all these movies, these guys seem to like get off on that, where they're like, "Oh, you really don't want this." Like, I'm gonna I- convince you that you want this. Yeah. And she's like shivering next to tears. He starts blowing on her thighs yeah what the fuck yep. and then he he asked her to hit him and then she does and then yeah. they fuck here's my interpretation of that scene and maybe i'm giving it too much credit but my interpretation of that scene is that she needed the sex at least at first to have an air like a tinge of violence to it to be so different from the probably like very sweet sex that she has with richard gear like she needs it to be like a different genre sure of fuck. that's all I, that's the most credit i could give to it but yeah. i will say she is crying and is saying like I don't think I should do this the other sex scene she's obviously very down but yeah. yeah that first one she is not into it and then the big scene after where she's on the train and it just kind of holds on her mm-hmm. as you kind of just watch her expression as she remembers what's happening and like she's good in the scene it's yeah. kind of an insanely put together scene but yeah. it, it's very over the top I also got a little confused when she like gets up because at first I was like oh is she gonna go to the bathroom to masturbate because she's so oh hungry. god because she's in between like feeling so guilty she's crying and then kind of being like elated yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know. And then she excitement. just starts like ripping toilet paper off the wall in the bathroom. I was like, what's... Um, she takes her underwear off and tries to like hide her underwear as if they're like a used maxi pad. Yeah, I was really confused what was going on in that scene. I was like, why did she just take that whole toilet paper roll like off the... I don't know. Like frantically. Like, in a movie that there's a bunch of what the fuck moments, it's the mo- It's like the one that I can't explain It's confusing because it's also really overdramatic. I mean, I feel like if I worked on that train, I came to the bathroom afterwards. I'd be like, man, what did you just do to the bathroom? <laughs> Like, yeah. you just teepeed our bathroom. This is, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was my life. I'd probably fuck this French dude. Like, her husband just seems like kind of a boring dickhead. Her son is a nightmare. He's just spitting yeah. shit in her hand. Good <laughs> questions. There's well, a I mean, the table where he's like, the way that they wrote this kid is just like, like you said, it's like cliche, like precocious child. But to the point where I'm just like, are you fucking stupid? Like, if that was my kid, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? This I think kid- it should have been more about how the marriage was like disintegrating under the weight of having a kid not as cute as that. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> yeah, we I mean, of us? which happens a lot. Pretty people make some ugly kids sometimes. They're at the dinner table and like uh, Richard Gere's talking about firing Rob Lowe's brother and he's like, oh, I had to let him go. Which is such a shoehorned in part. Yeah, he's like, you should look Chad at your Lowe. wife. Yeah, when he gets fired, he's like, you think I don't have a family? Your wife <laughs> You're is turning him into a like Frenchman. a Jimmy Stewart character giving a speech. <laughs> <laughs> You're turning into Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Oh. Yeah, because again, she's having such a sloppy affair that they're at kind of like a diner and <laughs> two booths over, they're like fucking fingering each other and yeah. it's Chad fucking low and she doesn't notice because she's making out with him. Yeah. She's blatantly cheating. But at the dinner table when he's talk when Richard Gere is talking about it, he's like, Oh, I had to let him go, you know. And he's like, Well, you know, these people need to be held accountable. And the fucking stupid ass kid goes, Is that when somebody eats other oh. people? And he's like, No, that's a 
that's a cannibal. <laughs> it's like, first of all, why is that a line of dialogue in this movie? If my kid said that and he's that old, they're like, no dumbass. Like, pack your shit. Yeah, buddy. You're homeless. Clearly, we've we've tried everything. <laughs> You're hopeless. We got you that flame beanie you wanted. I mean. <laughs> Come on. After the affair, when she's just like, she's so sloppy. She's like, she can't even make dinner. Like she can't. Oh, yeah. yeah, Her main function. She she turned into Lucille Ball during the chocolate conveyor belt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, the water's boiling. She's got so much going on. And but then even more annoying is the kid just sitting there going, Mom, it's burning. Mom, it's overflowing. I'd be like, bitch, do something. You're 11 years old. Go turn off the stove, you fucking idiot. And then he's like putting the strainer on his head. I'd be like, don't do that. I got to put food in this, you stupid fuck. I hate that kid. That is one of the worst on-screen children I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fucking nightmare kid. That kid is rotten. And there were some bad kids in the early 2000s in movies, but he is just maybe number one. He sucks. Um... Anyway, um, <laughs> that's like the meanest we've ever been to like an actor on this podcast. Oh god, <laughs> it's a just child. really, ugh. yeah. But I do think that Olivia Martinez character Paul <laughs> needs Paul. to be very like a lot younger than Gear because I do think sure. that if I was Richard Gear's character when I saw those photos, I would just be like, "Fuck, this this guy is like twenty five years younger than me," and She's that must feel really twink. startling. Yeah, yeah, and again, it can be someone the same age as your young wife because I do think that men are stupid. And they think, oh, like I can fuck whoever and like women have to fuck. I don't know me, but don't think about how like I'm in my mid thirties now. And for the first time, I'm like, fuck, like 25 year old dudes are hot. Like, who knew? I don't. (laughs) I'm not fucking a 25 year old. It's okay. Yeah. The the confrontation when Richard Gere shows up at his house, just completely frazzled. And this French dude just kind of like there seems to also be pretty nice to him because he's like, I guess he's like. He's French, like, yeah, he, offers him a drink. Yeah, there's, like, a language barrier almost thing happening there where he's, you know, Richard Gere's like, she, she would talk to you about me? And he's like, yeah, I mean, It I also know. is, like, maybe that is the limitations of Olivia Martinez. Like, he, he can't portray, like, being startled. I don't know. There's, there's like, maybe a layer kind of missing. Yeah. It's a little thin. Again, I, I think he's totally fine in this, but yeah. I mean, I felt bad for him when he died. It was just like, oh, oh yeah. I feel a lot of sympathy shitty. for that character because it's like, you don't, you didn't know what you got yourself into. Yeah. Also the way he disposes of the body in the crime scene, I was like, there's no way this guy's getting away yeah. with this. That is clearly Richard Gere has only scene. seen Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. That is an insane crime scene. He, because also like the, the murder instrument is so specific. So he kills him yes. with a snow globe. There's lots of foreshadowing. Is, again. Yeah. But it's so, cause we do miss it. So apparently Diane Lane and Richard Gere oh, collect snow globes from all the places that they visited. That's how you know their marriage is fucking it's like, broken. <laughs> ew. Yeah. And then I think that we're missing a scene where she gifts him one. Yeah, it just kind of ends up there. It ends up there. And then he sees it and it's like... And then he's really hurt by it because apparently he actually gave it to her. Where did you get this? It was a gift from her. No. Maybe maybe she just wanted to buy me something. She didn't buy this for you. I gave it to her. But it's also like, why would Diane Lane think that Olivia Martinez would want a stupid snow globe? Yeah, and he's also Richard Gere like turns the snow globe upside down and Olivia Martinez is like, I did not know it did that. 
<laughs> you mean you didn't know it did that? What do you think it did, idiot? <laughs> That's what, if I was Richard Gere, I'd be like, God, you're a moron. First, you like have all these books? You're like, what are you fucking... But also, he can't, can't make coffee, and he can't carry coffee, and he can't hold muffins either. Like, there's Yeah, no- I'm like, uh, they should have. the revelation should have been that all the books were just blank in his house, and he just was illiterate. And he's like, or they're, like, they're hollow and they're drugs. Yeah. <laughs> he used this as like a, a pickup scheme, which is yeah. also the weird thing where Dan Lane like sees him with another woman and she gets really upset oh yeah 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 and i was kind of like I mean, irrationally what he was upset. doing like what do you think he's just fucking holding it down for you like you're married she confronts him in a library yeah and, like, he's like hits him and stuff yeah and he's like yo like i'm fucking what do you think i'm like a little french lothario i'm fucking yeah. everybody what do you mean <laughs> like what, what do you want me to do i was just the whole thing i was just like they're like yeah of course he's fucking somebody else what do you think like yeah you're fucking married you don't have a right to no be upset about this no. which does lead to them fucking in the in the hallway stairwell. i will say that's probably the sexiest scene i've seen it in is movies it's it kind of hot it um, is hot yeah. i was like all right that's yeah, that's I, the best I one i've seen so that. far i agree with that also does richard gear hit him with the bottom of the snow globe or the actual globe part the globe so, so you okay. think that the globe would have smashed the globe would have because you're right <laughs> that globe he hits him three times with it to the point that there is blood pouring down this guy's face there pouring is from his face. so much blood also the blood splatter i'm sorry i'm not a fucking forensic oh you are not expert but <laughs> i'm pretty sure <laughs> you're right you're right blood i've seen enough dexter so to many, know yeah, yeah that would have gone in so many different directions this isn't fucking 19 you know 40 like there's there's it's also be not a cool murder weapon and it doesn't make sense. Like I, I would be willing to kind of like forgive any of that bullshit if if it was something that made more sense to the plot of the movie. Yeah, it also just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like I feel like if I didn't know he was going to die like going into it, I would not expect that scene to go that way. Which right, I, guess I do remember that the... made a big imprint the first time I watched it as like a 17 year old. I was yeah. like, holy shit. Like, so watching it this time, I was trying to think if Olivia Martinez ends up at their house because that's where the snow globes are. And then I was like, no, he dies in his own house. Why is there a snow globe there? And that part to me is baffling. The cops pretty much show up fairly quickly at their house to question them. Because Diane Lane's number, phone number yeah, yeah, is, is, is right, right there. Yeah. She gets a parking ticket outside. I mean, all signs point to She's something is going on with this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I'm a, you know, a fucking detective, I'm probably thinking, seems like maybe you were fucking this guy. <laughs> a parking ticket there. Yeah, and then the other cop in the scene is just looking at their snow globes in the house like, oh, I love these fucking things. <laughs> Fuck, these are tight. I didn't know they did this stuff. <laughs> and then, yeah, the other cop is like skeptical and then got his dumb partner who's like let's get out of here case closed yeah. and yeah. well also like Richard Gere just rolls up the body in a carpet he, duct tapes yeah, it and someone offers to help him with it outside like hey man you need some help he's like no it's like, fucking no it's like way to be fucking discreet dude and then he doesn't drop him off right away he goes to his child's recital so dark with yeah. a dead body in the car he gets in a fender bender Again, freaks out at the guy. Yeah, the guy's like, oh, let's just make sure your trunk's okay. And he's like, no, get away from my fucking car. He's so I guilty. I mean, both, yeah. I mean, he is as bad at covering up murder as Diane Lane's yeah. character is as bad <laughs> at having an affair, which I do, I enjoyed this time around. And then he dumps the body just at like a city dump. Dumps the body. They discover the body. I just, I'm sorry. There's no way that they don't go to this crime scene in this guy's apartment and find blood splatter somewhere and find yeah. something. There's no way Richard Gere Print cleaned somewhere. this somewhere. 
The guy couldn't even take the news that they went to the movies together and fucked. Exactly. Him. This is not someone down. who can. He's not thinking this through. He's got to get to his son's fucking stupid play where his dumb kid's a rabbit. Like he's just he's frantic. There's no way. And even any of the suspense that could have come from like him getting stuck in the elevator is like pretty quickly yeah. evolved to the point that I'm just like because that was a cool idea. Yeah. yeah, it was like that would have been really fucked up. That's a really shitty position to put someone in who just murdered somebody and is trying to dispose yeah. of the body. But they kind of just move on from it. And someone mm-hmm. offers to help him carry the body. There's just like, there's no sense of fun in this movie. Where no, because then it, been. no. And then the tension becomes, Diane Lane starts to suspect that Gear knows mm-hmm. and that he committed the murder. Yeah. And then they just kind of accept it. They just kind of she go She kind of accepts it. The movie does seem to think that her affair is at the same level of indiscretion as, as murder. murder. Like yeah. now, now they're even. Yeah. If I'm and her, I'm is, like, whoa. If I'm her, I'm like, I'm still fucking hot as shit. You can go to jail and I'll find a new French dude to fuck. I'll yeah. put this kid in private school, that he, boarding school. <laughs> We're going to send this little fucker away. I'm yeah. going to really live my best life now. Even Richard Gere's reaction when she confronts him about it, he's like, you fucked him. I didn't. I wanted to kill you, he not him. He said I wanted to kill you. Yeah, I, I would have been like, okay, this is all a lot to unpack. This is a lot of information. I'm going to I'm going to take the kid in. and go. Actually, I'm not going to take the kid and like leave Yeah, the you take care of the kid. She swallows it so quickly and she just is supposed to think that maybe now they're on the same team again. But it does seem to like think that killing this poor French dude really gave their marriage a second start. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It should have ended with a scene of them like at couples therapy. Like we really found the right spark in our marriage. I mean, truly it's like, this is 40, but like murder. Yeah. She cocked me for a little bit, but then I fucking (laughs) murdered that guy. (laughs) Nobody cucks me. Tell me what you did. You tell me what you did. You fucked him over and over and over. You lied to me over and over and over. Edward, please. No, you don't talk to me now. You didn't think I'd know. I wouldn't feel it. I knew it from the very first day. Because I know you, Connie. I know you and I fucking hate you. I didn't want to kill him. I wanted to kill you. Let's talk about the critics. 50%. I'm kind of surprised this isn't fresh. I'm surprised it's not higher. Yeah. I thought it would be like 72. I think because it, it really, especially at the time, it's it's pretty good at passing itself off as being like a classy thriller or a classy, you know, romance. And it's and it's not. But Adrian Lin's a good con man for sure. Washington Post said, at what point in the movie is it too late to ask for your money back? I think it's technically 45 minutes is the rule. So Really? I think so. Oh, wow. Unless someone puts up a big fight. Right. But my attitude is always like, you don't pay to see a good movie. You pay to take the desire for seeing this movie away. You fucking ungrateful piece of shit. Yeah. Also, you saw this movie for free. You work for the Washington Post. You went to a critic screening. True. So shut up. Wesley Morris, Boston Club. Hey. Good Good, good critic. Good dude. Yeah. An awesomely superficial, thoroughly bland, psychologically bankrupt rehash of Lynn's greatest hits. Yeah. That's true. That's absolutely yeah. true. Uh, Charlotte Observer is a good one. Esteeming as last week's pork dumplings. <laughs> that says more about the writer than the movie itself. She had some bad pork dumplings after mm-hmm. the movie. She had some bad pork dumplings. I think this is a good way to put it. Another just kind of smaller critic. One guy's opinion. Great name for your critical website. Just sure. one guy's opinion. Just one night fucking guy. I'm just one average fucking guy. <laughs> uh, slick, steamy smut served up in a series of scenes framed like Rembrandt paintings with a soup con of phony meaningfulness on the side. Yeah, fine. I don't know what it looks like. 
Mike Lasala, the San Francisco Chronicle, he really likes a lot of these movies. He li- he's the guy who gave Disclosure an A. Um, oh. <laughs> he liked this. He said, Unfaithful says some true things about marriage. True enough that men will be looking, looking askance at their wives for days after seeing it. Okay. That's what these movies like kind of you seem like aim to do is to get guys like that to be like, oh, fuck, is my wife cocking me? Yeah. What's going on? Like, I got to get to the I bottom agree. of this. A little behind the scenes. Ooh. Casting. Oh, God. So. Gear, can, gear can't have been first pick. No, but. Yeah. <laughs> so starting with with Paul, this might explain why they just kept his name. He wasn't French in the original script. Brad Pitt was offered the role. Turned it down, obviously. Too why famous. Yeah, too, why would yeah. you take that? Ryan yeah. Felipe was offered the role. Not hot uh, enough. Yeah, just too American. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You kind of needs to be foreign. Like, I, I would yeah. be open to a Brazilian. I would be open to <laughs> several things, but he, he does need to be foreign. Yeah. So I think that, yeah. So uh, once they decided, the producers decided that Paul should be French, they cast Olivia Martinez. They were like, okay, and the we're guy, just going to keep his name. Just make it Pierre. Like, the movie's goofy. Just have it be the most obvious French name. <laughs> make it confusing. His name is Paul, but his answering machine is gibberish. <laughs> A lot of different guys were considered for the role of Edward before okay. Richard Gere came on. George Clooney was considered. Too hot, especially at the time. Johnny Depp, like, also in the mix. No, too, not right. No, Robert Redford coming yes. back. I actually think if you switched the roles, gear in a decent, yeah, role yeah, yeah. Redford here, I think it would have been better because I also yeah. buy Redford and Diane Lane as a couple more. Me too. And even it would have been even more comical to see that kid. Also, I could believe that like their DNA got fucked in some way. Yeah, I could see that. It's um, when two really light-haired people. Sure, sure, Attractive, sure. like they fuck, like the, your baby's ears more from a- is what I want to know. The ears, I was like, oh. You know, maybe, you know, maybe Diane had hers pinned at some point. Like, we don't know. <laughs> this is, this is a really bad one, but I kind of want to see this movie because it would have been so much fun. John Travolta was considered for Edward. Oh, God. Oh, what God. If? I think I hate <laughs> watching, like, t- I mean, Gear's a good pick in the sense that you could understand why a younger Diane Lane was drawn to that older guy. Yeah, I just don't understand why he's so pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. But you're Um, right. Redford would have been. I think Redford would have been great. Travolta, just out of a morbid curiosity, would love to see how bad that was. Think that if you did Harrison Ford and didn't make the character as pathetic. Yeah, Harrison Ford would have been Because I can imagine him fucking killing someone with whatever was in front of him. Because to me. Stay away from my wife. Sort of like. He's a a wife guy, too. A lot of his movies are about him protecting. Yeah, what lies beneath. Mm-hmm. Trying to find his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's who. That was the person that I was replacing He's here great. with, and then he, I made him less mopey. Harrison Ford would have been great. Final guy who was offered the role, Bruce Willis. I could also see that. I think that could have been interesting. I could, maybe. yeah, me too. I think Bruce Willis can be good in the right part when you kind because of because like he can also act type. sad and restrained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of pathetic. And again, I do believe with the force of a, like I, I believe that he's strong enough to just like beat someone with a snow globe. Yeah, they should have done Bruce Willis, Demi Moore, and Ashton Kutcher. That's how they should have Dude. done it. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher is some dumbass. <laughs> they yeah, tried to sell Ashton stupid. Kutcher as a book collector who's like <laughs> carrying a stack of books. <laughs> I'm a ferocious reader. <laughs> Meg Ryan was the original choice to play Connie. Yeah, I can see that. I definitely think Diane Lane that too. works. Diane Lane's great. Jodie Foster turned it down. She wanted to be in Panic Room instead. Wouldn't have been. I, here's about Alyssa Milano. Like she was known as someone who would like take her clothes off. So that's probably honestly, <laughs> maybe not. You know who will do it? Alyssa. Kristen Davis of Sex and the City was considered. Too sweet. Portia de Rossi. No. Brooke no. Shields. No. Hilary Swank. No. No. Even though she's a good actress, I don't think Reese Witherspoon works. She was considered. No. Your girl. Sarah? Sarah Michelle Gellar was considered. <gasps> Sarah! 
I mean, I that would have been great. She, she wouldn't have worked, though. Um, no, she wouldn't have. The only one of these people who I think would have worked is who was considered was Kate, Kate Winslet. Oh, yeah, but like, what can't she do? Totally. Another person who was offered the part but turned it down and has in recent years said they regretted is Jennifer Lopez. Oh, I actually, I mean, beyond me not mm-hmm. believing her in gear as a couple. Yeah. Um, I could see her being good at it. Yeah. The only person who sought the role out, who was outright turned down by Adrian Lynn, Jennifer Jason Lee. What the fuck? People suck. I don't know. Again, people... what can't she do? You know, exactly. truly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And made $119 million worldwide at the box office. It was a pretty big hit. Diane Lane received an Oscar nomination along with a Golden Globe and a SAG nod. She won the New York Film Critics Circle Award for Best Actress that year, too. For that. Who's the MVP of Unfaithful? It's like no question. Diane Lane. Not the kid. It's definitely not the kid. Bringing back our new rating system. Is it a worse offender? A train wreck? So bad it's good? Pretty pretty good or misunderstood masterpiece? Once again, I don't know. These ones again, are tough. They're so like, like you said, they're so like competent. I would say like it's again, it lies between like one and two. I think it's a better movie than I would a decent proposal. Like, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, like it's a better movie than a decent proposal. I think it just needed to stick to one part of what the movie mm-hmm. was does it want to be part one or part two i think it's more a fun object to look at in with the other erotic thrillers as hindsight and context then i think like oh it's pretty good like right. you should watch this if you're doing this deep dive as a finishing point or to like stick a pin in it yeah, so yeah, i would yeah. say like pretty pretty good then yeah i think it's it's a not great movie that's slick enough to make you mm-hmm. think that it could be better and it happens to have a very good performance that indecent proposal does not have and it olivia is- martinez at some point does just wear a coat and no shirt so it's true. If you want to have a cuck fest in your quarantine, like we did, Indecent <laughs> Proposal is getting cucked on Showtime. Unfaithful is getting cucked on Cinemax. If you want to watch next week's episode along with us, so you get to listen to this and just know every reference that we're talking about, we're going to yes. be watching Sliver, another Sharon Stone banger. And that one's streaming on Hulu. Sure is. So it's fucking easy. Mm-hmm. And the single white female, which, spoiler alert, I think is my favorite of all these movies, is I think you have to pay to rent it, but it's well worth it, I promise. And then next week we are back to having a third. We're going to have a a guest, my oldest friend. I've been friends with Macy since I was like still a teenager. And he actually teaches film classes in Buffalo, New York. And he's also the person that I think has seen me more fucked up than everyone. He has the most embarrassing stories about me. So great. This is is going to be a great three way on the podcast. (laughs) As always, we want to thank you for listening and remind you that you should follow us on social media because we've been posting some pretty great videos this week of Madonna. Willem Dafoe, fuckhouses. Angie Everhart just getting mauled by a car. <laughs> so it's pretty fun over there. Spread the word, you know, let other people know. Say, hey, you're bored. And you're looking for a new podcast. I feel like people are always asking, hey, what should I listen to? I'm bored. I've seen all the good movies. Yeah. Tell me about some bad movies. Follow us on Spotify. Yeah. Give us. Yeah. Give us a thumbs up. Follow, no, no, no. Don't give us a thumbs up because you can't do that. Oh, oops. But, but just like us on Spotify. Follow like us. It. Follow and us. And then subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Overcast rate us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye.